Welcome to another episode of the Growing Pastor Podcast, where I invite pastors and Christian leaders to share stories and advice to help you grow as a disciple, leader, and family man. I'm your host, Rob Lauder, and I have an awesome show for you this week as I'm joined by Christian Memes founder, Michael Schaefer, who's going to share with us some of the lessons that he's learned as a young pastor. But without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome to the Growing Pastor Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Lauder, and I'm joined today by the man behind the memes, Michael Schaefer. Uh, Michael is the creative mastermind behind the wildly popular Christian memes page on Facebook, uh, or should we say memes for Jesus, which we might talk about in this interview. Uh, But beyond being a comedy genius, Michael also has a great passion for the gospel and teaching others how to lead their friends to Christ, which he's currently doing as a youth pastor in Duncannon, Pennsylvania. And Michael's here to tell us his ministry story and to walk through some of the lessons that he's learned in his ministry. So Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. It's great to be here. Uh, finally, you know, after two years, I think we tried to do this a while back. So it's good to finally be on the podcast. Indeed, man. I'm excited. So, Michael, uh, let's start out. Just tell us some of your ministry story. Uh, well, um, I've been in ministry basically my whole life. Uh, my dad, uh, when I was born, he was a youth pastor. Um, and so I grew up in the church uh, just with my dad being a youth pastor and then him transitioning to being a senior pastor. And so um, I followed him and my family's been involved in ministry uh, since I was born. And so I've been all over Pennsylvania, a few years in Illinois when my family was living out there. Um, And then I also um, was involved in ministry school down in Georgia. Tell us uh, about that season of your ministry. Uh, yeah, Missio Day. Missio Day was great. Uh, probably four of the best years of my life, uh, that's for sure. Um, I found out about Missio Day um, from a pastor friend of my dad. Uh, when my dad was a youth pastor in State College, Pennsylvania, he met a guy named Bruce Willingham. And so um, in my junior year of high school, uh, my dad had Bruce in to speak. And so Uh, He talked about uh, this school that was starting up that he was a part of and that he was teaching at, and it was called Missio Dei, and it was a school of missions and evangelism, and basically it was this school where you would go down and you would learn about ministry, you would learn how to serve in in all different types of ministry, like kids ministry, youth ministry, um, inner city ministry, and then you'd actually get the opportunity to go out on a missions trip somewhere um, in the United States and partake in that. And so I'd always wanted to travel and be able to um, do ministry on the road. And so that was kind of like a wake up call uh, to me just as where I was going to go after high school. And so I jumped at the opportunity um, and signed up. Uh, to go and uh, be a part of Missio Day, and I was there for four years. They kept inviting me back, um, even though it's for most people it was just a one-year program. Um, I was lucky enough to get invited back three times, so that I was able to be there four years. Um, and so I got to go all over the country doing ministry. Um, we did some ministry at an Apache Indian reservation in Arizona. Um, We did human trafficking awareness um, during the Super Bowl week, um, just bringing awareness to the human trafficking and sex slavery that goes on right here in our own country. And we were able to um, make an impact on bringing about the rescue of around, I believe, 100 kids during that Super Bowl week, um, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then we also did a Daytona 500 outreach where we would go and uh, be on the infield at the Daytona 500 with the cars going around us. Um, And there were all these campers set up and we would just go out and we would talk to people about Jesus um, when the races weren't going on. Um, And then we'd also do one of my favorites was at the Mardi Gras outreach where we would go down to New Orleans for the week of Mardi Gras. um, And we'd just be out on the streets telling people about Jesus and letting them know that Jesus loves them and that even though they came down to Mardi Gras um, in New Orleans to get away from God and to sin and to just live 
their lives and defile themselves, um, that God still loved them and God had a plan for them and that God can still even reach them in the midst of the darkest places. So um, those were some of my favorite experiences while I was with Missio Day. Yeah, so let's um, let's kind of dive into that last one a little bit more, um, it, it, because if, if you think of all the places to do street evangelism, um, Mardi Gras would probably be like th- one of the most difficult places you can possibly imagine. So tell us about your experience there and and, and some of um, some of the stories and the people that you encountered as you uh, went about that trip. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we went down and we would work with a church called Saints Community Church. Um, which was a fantastic, fantastic body um, of believers down there. Uh, um, I believe they just opened to the church only a few years ago, um, and so they have a group of students down there that they would um, also, we would get to work with, and so um, just going down there and going out with some of the students at the church and just being able to go onto the streets of Mardi Gras and go even onto Bourbon Street where all of everything that you probably ever heard about Mardi Gras, um, all of the worst stuff that happens, um, happens on that street. And we were able to go down there and we were able to, um, just be in the midst of stuff that was going on all around us. Um, and it took a lot of preparation and a lot of, uh, time of prayer and fasting beforehand, um, just to be able to go out there and just praying that the Lord would shield our eyes from, all of the evil that was going on there um, because you could see anything and everything if you went there to see it but um, when we had God uh, with us we were able to just divert our eyes from it and he was able to keep us um, from seeing things that we didn't want to see and so just going down there and telling people about Jesus and um, just walking up to him and saying hey um, we're with Saints Community Church Uh, We know you're probably not from around here, but we still wanted to take the time. And if you're interested, we'd love to tell you about Jesus. And sometimes they'd be really open to it and they'd be really excited to hear what we had to say. And other times you'd get spit on or have beer thrown on you or just um, sometimes even shoved or pushed out of the way. Um, People always had different responses, but we were there um, just to do the Lord's work. And so that was always our goal and it was an experience that I would never give up um, and that I would never trade for anything even though I came home smelling like beer and weed and who knows what else um, every single night but uh, just being able to be in the midst of that in the midst of one of the most dark uh, times that takes place every single year in our country just Uh, where people just go out and sin as they please. Um, Being able to bring the light into that darkness was an opportunity that um, I would never trade for anything. Man, if you think about it, that's what Jesus does for us too, right? Like we are are sinners by birth and by choice. Um, He had no reason to leave heaven to come down to us, but he did for our redemption. He, He, you know, he took on... Um, flesh he humbled himself to be a human for you it's got a you you must identify a little bit with with the incarnation being like in that environment and and being reviled just for your faith um what what was going on through you in your head um in some of those times where like you said you got spit on you, you get stuff thrown on you um what goes on in your head when you're experiencing that uh, it's, uh, when you're in the city during new Orleans, like the second you get into the city, um, for a Christian, you can almost instantly feel the Holy spirit, um, just come over you with just this sense of darkness that is going on in the city. And you know that there's something off and that there's just something wrong that does not sit well with your spirit. And it is very evident when you're going out there um, that if you're not prepared and if you haven't uh, spent time with the Lord and you haven't tried, you can't just, basically what I'm saying is you can't just go out there um, expecting to be this 
big, powerful, like well-endowed Christian, and I have a word for these people, and I'm going to speak it to them whether they want to hear it or not. Um, you have to go out there with a heart of wanting to develop a relationship with the people that you come in contact with. Um, and even if they're drunk and high and probably won't remember any of the conversation that you've said, uh, you're still there to meet people and view them as people and view them as people that Jesus died on the cross for and not just the next drunk guy that walks past you because everyone has a story and everyone has a path that they walk on and Jesus has placed us in their path to be able to speak to them and share the gospel with them. Um, And you never know if the night that they're out at Mardi Gras and you share the gospel with them, you never know what kind of seed that's going to plant in them. Um, And so that was um, the biggest impact that that had on me as a Christian. Man, good word. Uh, Thank you for that encouragement uh, and and for your story. Uh, Were there any stories from from that uh, that Mardi Gras trip where you said that some people responded well to the gospel? Tell us a, a, a success story. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, there was, um, I was with my, uh, my friend Skylar, um, for one night and we, uh, ended up talking to these two guys. They were, um, here from on just like a, uh, vacation from college and they just wanted to escape for the weekend and just be at Mardi Gras. Um, and the one guy, uh, that was with them was completely wasted and just drunk out of his mind. But the other guy was, um, pretty sober for the most part and just very open to hearing what we had to say and hearing about the gospel. Um, and even though he didn't accept Christ that night, um, he said that it definitely did make him think about it and it made him want to look into it more. Um, and so, uh, just being able to plant that seed in that guy and, you know, who knows where he is now, but, um, that seed could have, um, developed into something more and that's what we pray for um uh later that night um after every night that we had gone out we would just pray over the people that we were able to talk with and that god would just take it and put them into his hands and lead more people along their paths that would guide them um to knowing him i think one of the uh the core disciplines of pastoral ministry is to uh, not just to be the one that does ministry all the time, but to be uh, a, to reproduce yourself, to multiply what God has given you and teach others to do the same. Like you talk about the great commission, the great commission is to teach them to do all that I've commanded you. Right. And so um, let's, let's talk about your, um, your time as a youth pastor now. Um, so you're a youth pastor in Duncannon, Pennsylvania. Um, talk about um, how uh, you're learning to reproduce yourself and in, in what ways do you see uh, the Holy Spirit developing you and shaping you as a pastor in this season of your life? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, being a youth pastor is definitely something that I, um, I love it. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, however, I am still always learning and learning, um, how to do, uh, this job better and how to take hold of my responsibilities, uh, better just because, um, it's difficult when you're in a position that require that is based so so much upon relationships and not just um, doing what needs to get done and getting by. I mean, you can easily, easily, easily do that in ministry, um, but that's not what God has called us to um, as people in ministry. God's called us to develop those relationships um, with people, and in my case, uh, with my students, And not just keep it at a surface level and not just show up on a Sunday and a Wednesday and say, this is what God says to do and you should do it. And then walk out and not talk to them at all for the rest of the week. Um, But that God has called me specifically to develop relationships with these kids and spend time with them. Um, And I believe that that's um, a crucial part of ministry Um, 
just being able to develop those relationships. What do you think um, pastors might be tempted to um, to get caught up in like the uh, the day to day, you know, work of ministry, um, but remain disconnected from the people that they're shepherding? Uh, well, I know for me uh, specifically, it's difficult um, as an introvert because um, I can spend so much time on my own and not even think about it and then realize that a whole week has gone by um, since service and that I haven't talked to any of my kids at all. And that's something that I really struggled with starting out and something that I even still to this day struggle with on occasion. Um and it's something that I have to constantly make an effort to do is just engage with my students and just be there and spend time with them and talk with them um, and just making sure that I'm not just focusing on writing Sunday school lessons or writing sermons, but I'm actually um, doing what God has called me to do. And that's investing my life into these students and teaching them um, what God has taught me and what he's brought me through and how they can grow and develop as Christians themselves. Good man. What are some practical ways that you kind of break out of that every day? Like this is my trajectory and this is the way I'm going to go, particularly like I'm right there with you as an introvert. Um, What are some ways that you break out of that and kind of discipline yourself to make sure that you're spending time with your people? Uh, One of the things that I try to do Um, is to not be on my cell phone. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's such a simple thing, um, but it's, it's really important that you're not, um, always focused on a screen somewhere, but that you're actually focused on the person that's right in front of you. Another thing, uh, would be, um, spending one-on-one time, uh, with my students and just being able to, um, have personal time when you can um, talk about deeper things um, more than just standing in front of a group of students. But when you get that one-on-one time with a kid and you're just able to um, develop a conversation further um, than just the surface level of a sermon or a lesson, um, and you're able to go deeper into what you taught. um, And when they're interested and you're teaching them about something that they really um, are interested in on a spiritual aspect. Um, And then also, um, as a youth pastor, one of the big things is uh, going to school events uh, for the kids if they're in a play or in their if they're playing sports or something, uh, just showing up for those events and um, showing your support and being there for them. That's good, man. I I want to take something further. You were talking about um, just then how you uh, need to be disciplined to go beyond just like the surface level conversation and get down to like the the deep heart spiritual conversations. What are some ways that you do that with your students? Um, I have one student right now um, uh, who was really, really wanting to learn about revelation and eschatology. Um, and so initially I was going to do a eschatology Sunday school course, uh, with my kids, but there was just so much information, um, that it, it would have taken up way too much time, uh, more than the allotted Sunday school time. Um, and so instead of doing that as a Sunday school lesson, um, I went to my student who wanted to learn about it and I told him, Hey, I have this book. Um, about eschatology and about all of this stuff. Um, And if you'd like to learn it, I would love to uh, send you a chapter of it at a time and you can take it and study it on your own time, read through it. And uh, whenever you finish that chapter, let me know. And then we will uh, go out to lunch or breakfast somewhere and we'll um, eat, spend time together um, and then just discuss uh, what you've learned and discuss it together and grow uh, together in what we've learned. And so, uh, that's one of the big things that I've done is just, uh, taking something that a student wants to learn about and, uh, being able to give them something that they can study and then come back and discuss it with me. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm definitely very excited about.
Yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea to, you know, one, it sounds like he approached you and said that he wants to learn more about this topic. Um, but then rather than just spoon feeding him, you resourced him. And in that, you know, in that regard, you're kind of multiplying yourself right there too. It's like, Hey, I'm not doing this alone. I've got, you know, brilliant minds who have written resources upon resources about the subject. You're kind of curating that and saying, hey, this is the book that I think is going to be really good for your specific situation. But then he needs to meet you halfway and he needs to do, to do the work, too. So I think that's a, a really good model of um, of resourcing and, and equipping somebody to then grow. And then I think you mentioned the, the added aspect of then let's come back together and talk about that and answer questions. And like, let's apply this to your specific situation, your life and your heart. Um, that's really wise, man. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So let's talk about like how you um, even uh, felt God calling you to become a pastor in the first place. So how do you go from uh, missions and evangelism school to youth pastor? And what did that transition look like? What did calling look like for you? And how did the people around you uh, affirm your calling and help you into that situation? Uh, yeah. Um, when I was in Missio Day, uh, we learned uh, a whole lot of uh, pretty much every aspect of ministry that there is. Um, and so you learn basically every style and every type of ministry out there. Um, and so um, I never expected uh, that God would call me to be a youth pastor. I always expected that he was going to do something completely different i had no idea um because i'd always thought god had wanted me to do something different that god wanted me to do something extraordinary and i never pictured youth ministry as doing that um but i quickly um came to learn that it just because um something has a title that is common doesn't mean that what you do under that title has to be common and that you can make what you do uncommon. Um, and so that's kind of where I um, started to grow in the idea of being a youth pastor or just being in a local church setting um, and being open to that idea. And so uh, through that, um, God called me uh, to be a youth pastor, um, just spending time with um, uh, my senior pastor um, at Missio Day. His name was Mike Holt. Um, and so uh, just spending time with him and talking about where God was going to take me after my fourth year of ministry. And he really uh, challenged me and encouraged me to just spend time with the Lord and really um, devote myself to figuring out where God was going to take me. Um, and so I felt God was calling me back to Pennsylvania, uh, my home state, um, and that God was going to have something for me there. And so, um, I told my parents that I was going to come back to Pennsylvania and start looking for a youth pastor position. Um, and so through networking, um, with other pastors, um, and just getting my name out there. Um, my mom was able to help me, uh, find some churches that were, um, in Pennsylvania and were looking for a youth pastor. And so I, uh, came to Pennsylvania on one of our Missio Day trips. It was one of the very last, uh, trips that we did as Missio Day. And so, um, after doing that, uh, I came on that trip and we went and did a youth conference. And at that youth conference, the senior pastor that I now work under was there for the afternoon. And so I sat down and had an interview in the middle of this convention center um, with him. Um, and then two weeks later, I was visiting the church and they hired me almost on the spot and I moved out a week later. And so that was the story of me uh, becoming a youth pastor. It was very uh, a very quick process once I opened myself up to it and allowed God to um, just guide me. Um, basically, I had no idea what I was going to do uh, for the longest time, but the second that I allowed myself to 
just do what God wanted me and I yielded myself to him, everything basically fell in place almost within a month's time frame. Man, isn't it funny the way he works sometimes? It really is. Michael, so what are some of the lessons that you are learning about yourself, about um, how God has shaped you as a pastor, um, about some of the struggles that you experience in ministry uh, in this season that you're serving as a youth pastor? Uh, I think uh, the quickest thing that I learned uh, when I came on as a youth pastor was that I didn't know anything. Um uh even though I spent four years in ministry school um and learning how to do things, I quickly learned that it's not real unless you actually apply it. And coming into um being a youth pastor, um I learned that there are things that you cannot be taught in ministry school. Um, no matter how great the ministry school may be, um, there's just certain things about every single little community in America across this country that is going to be different for every single pastor um, and that every community is going to be different. And so coming into Duncannon and uh, moving into Perry County uh, was a new experience for me. I'd always grown up in more of the bigger city areas. Um, and so Duncannon is kind of like the small town, uh, um, vibe with like the country on the outside. And, um, even though, um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is only about 30 minutes away. Um, Duncannon is like right on the outskirts of it. Um, and it's a very, very small, uh, community and it has the small town vibe. Um, and so I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. I'd never um, it really experienced that. Um, and so I had to get to know uh, the kind of like the culture um, of Perry County and just how people uh, spend their day-to-day lives out here. Um, and um, in doing that, I was able to kind of learn more about my students and learn more about uh, who they are and how things work. Um, So uh, definitely one of the biggest things that I am still learning is that um, every single person has a different background. And just because you learned how to do things um, in a general aspect doesn't mean that it's going to work the same way for every single person uh, because everyone is different. And you have to be willing to learn about an individual in order to meet whatever their needs may be. Um, That's really good, man. Phys- yeah, in both the physical aspect and the spiritual aspect. So I was saved at a mega church, um, and at the time uh, when I started attending, it was saved there. It was 3,000, uh, the church that I currently attend, and we're now over 10,000. But between the time I was saved and now, there was a season in my ministry where we moved out to a smaller town. Um, and I uh, taught Sunday school in one church and then had an opportunity to serve in a church plant for some time. Uh, but it was uh, it's in rural North Carolina. And um, I kind of came into that situation thinking it's like, oh, man, you know, I, I was at this big church. I know how ministry works. You know, let me show you how it's done. And then I quickly learned, as, as you have, that like things operate differently in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. And so I needed to first learn my people and exegete my culture before I could um, meet them where they were and how to lead them to where they needed to be. That's a really good reminder. Um to first, you know, understand the people that you're serving and, and remember that you're serving them. You're not bossing them. You're, you're shepherding them. So um, one of the things that you've told me is important to you in this season of your ministry is learning to serve your senior pastor well. So tell us about that and, uh, and why that's so important to you. Uh, yeah, learning um, servanthood was one of the uh, biggest things that I learned um, while I was at Missio Day. Um because uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, um, I'd always had like kind of this sense of entitlement when it came to ministry, uh, just because um, growing up as a pastor's kid, you kind of have everyone serving you hand and foot 
put in the church because everyone loves the pastor's kid and the pastor's kid can do no wrong um, and kind of in that aspect. And so uh, going into ministry school uh, was completely different for me because for the first time I was serving um, and learning under a pastor who was not my dad. Um, And so I quickly had to learn that um, things aren't just handed to you um, in ministry and that you have to um, have a sense of um, higher respect for not just the person, but the position um, that God has placed that person in. Um, And so when I was at Missio Dei, um, I... Uh, my first couple of years was a little rebellious in the aspect of there were times when I should have been doing um, something ministry related, but I uh, would choose not to. And I would always make up an excuse as to why I wasn't doing uh, what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and so uh, after my second year, I, um, I, uh, I kind of had a, uh, and this is, I don't think I've ever told, um, this on like an interview or anything before. Um, so you're getting the big scoop. Uh, but basically I had to sit down with, uh, my pastor at Missio Day and he told me, um, you've had, he basically just, uh, spat the truth out at me. He said, you've had a bad, um, attitude in this aspect of your life. Um, and even though, we want you to come back. And even though you're good in all of these areas, um, you are really, really poor in this area. And if you want to be in ministry, this is something that you need to learn how to develop. Uh, and that was having the heart of being able to serve um, the pastors who are in leadership above you. Um, and so I went uh back over the summer um and i came back and uh after i came back after having learned um more about serving uh your senior pastor or just leaders who are above you Um, and so that same pastor who sat me down and told me that there was something in me that needed to change he told me that um i was doing a much better job than i had been doing the years before Um, And so I didn't just let that sit there. I let that continue to grow and I let that continue to develop to develop in me. Um, And so that's uh, one of the things that I uh, like to teach um, in my ministry is that it's not just about serving. um, It's not just about serving um, my youth students, but that it's also about serving my senior pastor. Really good, man. And praise God for godly men who have the courage to sit you down like like your pastor did and look you in the eye and say, like, this is an area where you need to work on, but not to do it in such a way that's condemning, but to do it in such a way that's building you up. In that experience of, um, you called it rebellion, um, what was going on in your heart? Uh, there was... Um... At the time, um, there was just, um, it would have been my second year of ministry school. And so at that time there were, um, there was a lot of tension, um, among everyone at the school just because there was a lot of drama that had taken place, um, during the year. Um, and so, uh, closer towards the end of the year, um, I just stopped caring, uh, about the people that were around me in the ministry school because I was like, well, I'm going to be gone from them in a month and I'm never going to have to associate with them again. Uh, So I'm just going to do what I can to avoid them. Um, And so there was an instance where I was asked to go on a certain trip. um, But instead of going on the trip, I made up an excuse as to why I couldn't go on the trip. Um, And I... Uh, suffered the consequences of not going on that trip. And that was um, being told that I needed to have more respect for my leaders um, when they ask something of me. 
um, that I'm willing to do it rather than just making up excuses as for why I can't do it um, and then not owning up to the position that I wanted to be in. Um, and so um, since I had wanted to be in um, that position of leadership uh, that they kind of had me in that year. And since I uh, turned on them and made excuses as to why I couldn't go on this trip, uh, they sat me down and they said, listen, if you want to be a leader, you have to learn to serve those who are over you. Um, and so that was um, kind of what led up to that little um, experience. Yeah, I think there's there's two things in that that I hear that um, I I really resonate with um, because I've, I've had to learn that lesson probably 30 times uh, in the past like six months. Um, so like <laughs> my heart is constantly uh, rebellious, uh, prideful. Um, I was uh, raised as an only child I uh, by a single mom who didn't spend a lot of time at home. So I was always on my own. And so I've got like this, uh, this, uh, rebellion against authority mindset a lot of times. Um, but two things that stood out to me in what you just said. One um, is uh, the proverb that the righteous man falls seven times and get back up again, gets back up again. Right. So like it, when we are, when we, we, when we do fail and we will fail, um, what's important is that we, we get up and we learn from it. And it sounds like that's one of those moments in your life that like you made a, a mistake and because you made that mistake, you learned from it. And so I think it's like, those are the, those God ordained moments that are so valuable for uh, young leaders to take hold of and to uh, continue to grow and develop. Um, and then two, like the observation <clears throat> that uh, growth comes from those moments, uh, sometimes more so than in our, uh, our obedience. And I'm not saying that to say like, Hey, you just need to go out and be a jerk, um, and learn from it. But to the way that we respond to failure, some of those times can be like pivotal moments in our ministry. Like there's a, there's a time where, um, uh, in my, my old, um, ministry position, uh, I was the executive pastor of a small pastoral team of a very small church. Um, and because of this, you know, rebellion against authority attitude that I, I struggle with, um, there were some areas of, of my lead pastor's uh, ministry that I didn't respect. Um, but you mentioned earlier, you've learned that um, even when your senior pastor isn't perfect, which none of us are perfect, and that's the gospel, um, that he still has been ordained in that position by the Lord, and he is put in a place of authority over you, um, such that we need to learn to have that submissive and servant spirit. So, man, it's so encouraging to me to hear that you have learned that lesson, that you are currently learning that lesson, and that you um, are teaching others uh, to to have that heart posture toward their leaders as well. Um, because ultimately like the Bible tells us that God puts all authorities over us, whether that's civil authorities, whether that's our spiritual leaders and our spiritual authorities, he puts them over us because we are submitting to them as we submit unto the Lord. And when we rebel against those authorities that he puts in our life, we're really, that's a heart posture where we're rebelling against God himself. So awesome to hear that you've uh, grown through that and that you're currently growing through that. I want to transition because this has been a fantastic conversation. And I think that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this, a lot out of your story. Um, and, uh, you know, just walking in your shoes for a little bit. But um, we got to give the people what they want. And we got to talk about memes for Jesus. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're possibly best known for memes for Jesus, uh, formerly Christian memes. Uh, but for my listeners that uh, may have been listening or may have been living under a rock for the past few years, what's memes for Jesus? And tell us about how this thing came about. Uh, yeah, memes for Jesus, uh, formerly known as Christian memes. Um, I started it uh, in 2012, uh, my senior year of high school. Um, I basically spent my senior year of high school uh, way too much time on the internet uh, uh, looking at memes, um, and I noticed that 
every single time I'd come across a meme that had a reference to God or Jesus or church or Christianity, it was always in a negative aspect. And so I wanted to um, change that and I wanted there to be uh, memes about Christians that were positive um, that could either uh, make Christians laugh or make Christians think. Um, and so that's uh, kind of where I got the idea um, from. And so I launched it in 2012. Um, and then so the, let me ask you this. Did you, yeah. did you launch Christian memes or were you like tossing out memes on your personal Facebook page and were your friends asking for that? I just start, I launched Christian memes and I started it, uh, from there. It's like, you had no clue what this thing could become. You're just like, ah, oh, I'm just going to throw some, you know, throw up a page and start posting memes to it. Exactly. So what happened next? Uh, so I did that. Um, and then, uh, the page started growing about a thousand people a month. Um, and so, um, within a few months I had, grown it to about 20,000 people. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. This is so cool. I never thought this page would get this huge. Um, and so, uh, over the next four years, uh, the page grew, uh, to be 750,000 people. Um, that's like bigger than some countries. It is, it is. And it was such like a great experience, um, through that. Um, and then back um, in October, as when everything kind of went down uh, with it. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But um, okay, d- okay. <laughs> in that in that season of like, yeah, you you're pretty much like internet famous, right? How sure. did that? Um, well, first, how did that platform your ministry? Uh, well, it was kind of um, I I was able to use it uh, while I was in well while I was at Missio Day uh, to kind of raise my, um, my support for while I was there. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't like a normal, um, ministry school tuition type thing. Um, it was basically like a missions trip every single year. So you would raise your, uh, support, um, to be able to go and, uh, learn, um, at the school and then also go out on all of the missions trips, uh, because we spent, about half of our time on the road doing ministry. And so I was able to use uh, Christian memes to um, support uh, myself in uh, Missio Day almost every single year. Um, and I never had any debt uh, while I was at Missio Day that I had to worry about uh, just because of the support that I got from people on Christian memes who were uh, willing to uh, back not only uh, my ministry um, per se online, but also, uh, what I was doing, um, in the real world. And that's such a cool story of how you can take something you're passionate about and, uh, kind of create this platform of, um, you know, like people are finding, you know, these memes, they're, they're laughing, but they're learning something about the gospel too. But then also that you build that community of people who support you and support your ministry and are willing to contribute and do that. That's such a cool story. Um, in kind of the, the heyday, like, you know, the, the 750,000 people heyday, uh, did it ever go to your head? Um, it, I, I would say, yeah. I mean, it's kind of difficult for it to not um, go to your head. Because, like, um, I, 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 I post something on Twitter and I get, like, two retweets and I'm, like, you know, strutting the rest of the day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely times where um, I would use it to uh, my own advantage for uh, certain things, but I always, um, I usually had a pretty level head about it. I mean, there was never anything that I really did that was like super extreme um, as far as myself and being selfish with it. Um, and I've got a great guy uh, that I work with who kind of helps me out on a few things. Um, his name's Nathan and he's kind of like my assistant manager type thing. Um, and so he's, he's always there and we always, um, talk about ministry and, uh, how we're just, um, keeping level heads with, uh, memes for Jesus, Christian memes. Um, and so, uh, he's been a great help with that. He's kind of like my, uh, 
meme accountability partner. <laughs> you feel like if you're going it alone and you didn't have that accountability, that um, Christian moves would look different or that you would have a different experience with it? Absolutely. Um, I have I have no idea what I would <laughs> do with it if I was just going at it alone. Um, Nathan definitely helps me out a lot um, just because uh, there's a lot of people on the page um, and it can be a lot. It can be pretty frustrating at times uh, when some people will post certain comments or send different messages and stuff. And so uh, um, he's always there for me to be able to talk to when I see something um, that gets me down or, and, and vice versa. And so we um, we encourage each other um, just in that aspect. What are some uh, have, did you have you experienced any positive comments or positive stories about people who responded really well or maybe have heard the gospel for the first time and re- responded to it as a result of uh, viewing a meme or or maybe even uh, in the discussion that comes along with that? Uh, absolutely. Um, about usually it happens usually once or twice a month. Uh, someone will send us a message um, that uh, basically says, you know, hey, I used to. Or well, they'll say, "Hey, I'm an atheist, and I uh, don't believe in God." But um, after being on your page and seeing that Christians can have a sense of humor and that Christians can just be normal people and they know how to laugh, and it's not just what I learned uh, in my grandma's church growing up—that it's just you have to go on every Sunday morning and you have to wear super fancy clothes and be uptight and all of this um, because. Um, I've seen a different side of Christianity from your page. It's given me um, a willingness to give it another shot, and um, I'm going to go to church on next Sunday and stuff, stuff like that. And so um, that's always super encouraging because even though um, the page is catered towards Christians and we're not specifically going out there with with the page per se to uh, reach the lost with it, but we're rather there to encourage Christians who already know who the Lord is. Um, it's still great to just uh, be able to be ourselves and just be able to love Jesus and be on the Internet at the same time and um, just be in the public where anyone can see it and um, people who aren't Christians can see it and they'll see the difference um, in us and it'll give them a, a desire to come to know the gospel. Cool deal, man. Well, what's next for Memes for Jesus? What is next? Uh, A super, super big announcement uh, that I'm excited for is that on Friday, uh, which would be the 27th of December, or not December, uh, the 27th of January, um, we are launching our online store. We've uh, been working with a guy that we've talked to uh, for quite a while, and uh, we used to sell some T-shirts through him um, a couple of years back. And so we got Does, in communication with him. Did that include the uh, Let's Talk About Jesus shirt? Yes, yes. That, that we were going, that one. We were going to do this interview <laughs> two nights ago, and I must confess, I was wearing my Let's Talk About Jesus shirt, uh. <laughs> but I'm currently wearing a Captain America shirt. That's all right. I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt, so we're good there. <laughs> there we go. F- uh, funny story about the Let's Talk About Jesus shirt. I um, I, I when it, when you first uh, released it, uh, I shared it on my Facebook page, and I said, uh, if anybody buys me this shirt, I will preach in it. And <laughs> somebody took me up on it, and so That's I had awesome. to preach in it, and I had to explain to my congregation one uh, why I was wearing a Let's Talk About Jesus shirt, but two what it actually said because. There are people who are like, well, let's burrito about Jesus. It's like, no, no so let's talk. And they're like, oh, I get it now. Let's taco yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting, man. So uh, this podcast will come out after you have launched that. So tell everybody where they can go right now in order to buy all the cool memes for Jesus swag and support you and your ministry in Duncan in Pennsylvania. Yeah, definitely. Um, all you have to do is go to memesforjesus.com. Um, and once you get there, uh, you'll see the store and everything will be up there. Um, I have to say we will not be selling the Talk About Jesus shirts. Um, this is pretty much like a whole new line of designs uh, that we've never done before. Um, and so 
it's going to be it's very exciting um and we're working with uh some people that we've worked with before on it and so we're very excited to get it launched and just be able to use it to do more through memes for jesus and kind of um see where it takes us and so it's very exciting uh to be able to launch it um and so yeah uh, memesforjesus.com is where you can do that awesome and hey where are some other places that people can find you online and connect with you and um uh what are some other ways that people can support you as well uh yeah you can uh find me on instagram and twitter uh my handle is at michael schaefer um without the letter i in my first name um so you just type in my full name uh without the i and you can find me on instagram and twitter uh that way and then also i have a patreon set up for people who want to uh support memes for jesus uh specifically um and you can do like a two dollar amount five dollar amount ten dollar amount and there's different uh reward tiers for people who sponsor for those different amounts um and it gets you access to uh, kind of like a behind-the-scenes Facebook group that we have um, and a whole bunch of different um, rewards and just fun things that we have set up for people who support on Patreon specifically. Um, and you can find that on patreon.com forward slash Michael Schaefer. Awesome. Well, Michael, uh, I think that uh, after two years in the making, this interview and this podcast is going to be fantastic. Listen, uh um, will you, do you mind sharing how old you are? Uh, yeah, I'm 23. For a 23 year old, you have like fantastic insight and wisdom. Um, and I encourage you to see where the Lord takes you in your ministry. Um, I hope that those listening to this podcast will see that you don't have to be like a gray haired old man to be in ministry, that you can start uh, where you are and where God has you. Um, and that even uh, in, um, even as a 23 year old, that you can have a profound impact on the kids that you're sowing into and that all the people that you're touching through, uh, for Jesus saying and encouraging through that so michael thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you for staying on the uh, phone with me until almost 11 o'clock at night um this has been a joy for me and i hope it's been encouraging for you too oh it definitely has thanks for having me all right that's all for this week if you've enjoyed this episode of the growing pastor podcast please subscribe on itunes or via my blog roblauder.com Next week, I'm joined by the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Dr. Danny Aiken, and he's going to share with us how young pastors can grow as preachers and as missionaries. I'm your host, Rob Lauder. Thanks for listening.